Creative Babble. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast contains language and topics that are not suitable for young children. We're also discussing possible medical child abuse. If this is not for you, I'd say skip this one. Previously on Pretend. Hey, it's Javier. Hi, Javier. Is this a good time? Yeah, for sure. Heather and I have been in constant communication with the Rodriguez family. I've been following the story as a journalist, you know, observing from afar, but Heather has been more intimately involved because she too has been a victim of a cyber stalker. Who better to relate to the torment experienced by Claudia and David Rodriguez? But over time, Heather and I have been comparing notes and something about the story is just not adding up. We're getting the feeling that either the Rodriguez family knows who the stalker is, or they're just turning a blind eye. Heather believes that James, the Rodriguez's disabled son, could be the person behind these threatening messages. But when Heather tried making the case against James, Claudia refused to accept the accusations. Claudia told me that Heather was blunt and to the point. What you have to do is surrender every single device in the house. You go through it and you bring it to the cops because that was never done. And there's always an excuse why it was never done. You know, he needs his phone. She needs her phone. We can't live without our phones. Phones, phones, phones. She wasn't angry. She knows that I, I really do care about what's happening. And she said, you do make some very good points. But there's always that, I know my son, you know. I'm coming from it from a mother's standpoint when I know without a shadow of a doubt that it's not my son. Claudia basically told Heather that her disabled son, James, is just too simple-minded to pull this off. To prove this to Heather, Claudia called James down from his room and quizzed him while Heather was on speakerphone. Well, she called him over, right? Uh, Oh, no. Come down here and bring your phone. She's like, do you know what a a cervix is? I'm like, oh my God, why, I can't believe why, she's why, doing this. Why that? Because she's trying to prove to me that he doesn't know the meaning of things. I gotcha. I mean, I think she's really abusive. How, okay. How demoralizing. Absolutely. Right? hundred uh, percently. Uh, I was really hating every minute of this. I was hoping he would have Ugh. like gone into another room at a certain point. I think it, it I really think it's at this point because... For your son to sit there and you drag him into this this conversation with me, which I assumed would be a private phone call and humiliate him like this. Don't like it being, I didn't want it to take go down in front of me while I was there. Right. And it's pretty gross. Put me in the crossfire either. Of a potential stalker. Yeah. You know? When I spoke to Claudia about this, she insists that James has nothing to do with this. It's 100% not possible. She says that people don't understand how difficult it is to care for two disabled adult children. And I can appreciate that. 
But I find it hard to believe that one family could have so many medical complications. I can't mm-hmm. help but shake these things. So you, you're you running down all these medical issues that they're having. And it, right. I mean, I got to tell you, it does sound, you know. Munchausen. It does a little bit. <laughs> Just because there's you so much of it. Yeah. You know, you know what I have to say about about that? Yeah. I don't really care what people think because they haven't walked in my boots. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Munchausen by proxy. A disorder in which a caregiver intentionally causes or exaggerates the medical symptoms of someone in their family just to seek attention or sympathy. You see, this series started off as a whodunit about a menacing cyberstalker. But in reality, it turned into something else. Something far more disturbing. We may all be witnessing medical child abuse here in real time. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. Who is the stalker? That is the central question driving this entire series. And you're probably hoping for a conclusive answer. Unfortunately, you may be disappointed. Only the authorities have the power to answer that question. My goal was to look at all the evidence, possibly uncover new information, and hope that because of my coverage, it would compel law enforcement to make an arrest. But this is much more than a cyberstalker story. Perhaps the stalking is just a byproduct of something bigger and far more sinister. Claudia Rodriguez is being accused by Dr. Gresman of medical child abuse. She says, oh, I've had, I've had a feeling about this mother. I feel like she's doing things to her kid to get attention. And 
they asked her if she wanted to file a report against me and she said no. Okay, you're a mandated reporter. The law says that you are a mandated reporter and if you have any type of doubt or idea that someone's abusing their kid, you report them. So I know she's full of crap because she's mandated by the law to report me if she feels like I'm doing something. She said, no, I don't want to make a report. Why is that? Because she knows she's lying. So why didn't Dr. Gresman report Claudia if she suspected Munchausen by proxy? If she knew that something truly horrible was going on, why did she wait for the police to contact her as a result of the stalking investigation to ever mentioning any of this? Claudia is right. It's her responsibility to say something. But she didn't. I want to be careful about making accusations like this because I'm not qualified to diagnose Munchausen by proxy. I'm not even sure exactly who is. But for the last few months, I've been embedding myself in the Munchausen by proxy survivor community. And what I've learned is that this psychological phenomenon may be more common than any of us realize. I erroneously called it a mental disorder in the previous episode. Most experts will tell you it's much more than a disorder. It's a crime. Munchausen by proxy perpetrators know exactly what they're doing. So let's reframe the way we look at this story. Instead of a stalker story, let's imagine for a second that maybe there's potential abuse happening in this household. Now, let's review James Rodriguez's medical history and see if any of this Munchausen by proxy criticism is warranted. He had a Chiari malformation that was discovered in 2006. Chiari malformation? Sounds scary, right? This is a condition in which the brain extends into the spinal canal. But according to medical journals, Chiari malformations are not considered life-threatening. It can cause painful headaches and some movement problems, but most people live their whole lives with no symptoms at all. He was just born like that. And there, they said there's a, a pretty good amount of people walking around with with Chiari malformations that don't even know. So it just depends on the level of, of how bad it is. Was it pretty bad? His was moderate and it didn't, the surgery really didn't do what we had hoped it would do, which was to better his muscle tone. It really didn't have any effect on that. So that was kind of a disappointment. That's what you were hoping it would do? Yes. Yes. The neurosurgeon was kind of sitting on the fence as to whether or not he wanted to do it. But after reviewing the scans, he said it was probably in his best interest to just do it. By the way, it's worth noting that the neurosurgeon that we're talking about here is not Dr. Gresman. According to Claudia, six-year-old James didn't even need this surgery. It didn't have the desired outcome. So why do it in the first place? If it would help his muscle tone, but also it would keep him from hopefully developing problems in the future. Even though you said that the surgery didn't result in much, mm -hmm. you still think it was the right thing to do? Yeah, I do. Because, you know, he was young when it was done. And I mean, what if he had to go through that now? You know, that would that would be really, really rough on an adult to go through something like that. And not that it's not rough on kids because it is, but I don't know. I always feel like if a surgeon wants to do something and you trust that surgeon and, and they make sense as to why, then it's, 
is probably something that needs to be done. So we did you, did you ever get a second opinion on that? Um, no, because at the time the surgeon that we were working with had been surgeon for several years and he saved her life. He he saved her life. So we trusted that he had best interest at heart. Aha. So the same surgeon who performed the brain surgery on Chelsea, the other disabled daughter, was the same brain surgeon who performed the unnecessary procedure. I know I'm supposed to be an objective journalist here, but my blood boils listening to this. And I'm sure yours is too. Why would you take unnecessary risk with your child's health? This is brain surgery, people. It's not like fixing a deviated septum or getting your tonsils removed. And without getting a second opinion? I mean, it seems outrageous. But if we look at this through the lens of Munchausen by proxy, you start to realize that all this kind of makes sense. Typically, mothers with Munchausen by proxy doctor shop. They seek a certain specific type of procedure and they move from surgeon to surgeon until they find a doctor who buys into their story. In this case, it's even more bizarre because the Rodriguez's are Jehovah's Witness. Presumably, they refuse blood transfusions. And surgeons who are not comfortable taking the risk of operating on a Jehovah's Witness patient sometimes refuse treatment. But here's the thing. I'm not a doctor, and I haven't reviewed Jacob and Chelsea's complete medical records. It's possible that another neurosurgeon would also recommend these brain surgeries. But damn, doesn't that sound fishy? I just worry because it's like, I know that every individual case is different, but your kids have had so many medical issues and so many medical Mm -hmm. procedures. Do you see why somebody could be like, hey, I wonder if, you know what I mean? Like the whole Munchausen Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, do you ever, do you ever step back and think, wow, you know, like that brain surgery, it probably, it didn't result in much and probably wasn't needed. So why do it? And so you start putting all these pieces together, all these stories and you're like, wow, I don't know. My kids have never had that many medical procedures. And if, if somebody told me that my kid needed brain surgery, I would, I would go get a second opinion just because that's a big deal. Well, but also you don't know what it could have saved him from in the future. So the surgeon said that uh, with his cerebellum being compressed like that, that in you know it could very well end up with him being paralyzed in the future. When I asked Claudia about Chelsea, their other disabled daughter's brain surgery, she explained that it was absolutely necessary. Her doctor said that Chelsea needed the excessive brain fluid drained out. So they surgically inserted a tube in her skull called a brain shunt. I had hydrocephalus for two years undetected so yeah she got a shunt on her second birthday i don't trust doctors very much especially after our pediatrician screwed up and a neuro a neurologist screwed up and said that there was nothing wrong with her they ended up that she had something that could have killed her he wanted to do shunt surgery but he said that it was just for pain purposes to put her out of pain but he didn't think that her function would would improve very much but he said kids are very resilient so you just never know what you're going to get because kids brains are different than adults they they can take a lot more than than an adult brain so he said i'm not promising you guys anything but 
she was functioning at a nine month level at the age of two. And he said, I don't know if she'll ever go past nine months for the rest of her life. I don't know. Claudian says that Chelsea's brain shunt surgery was absolutely necessary in order to drain all that brain fluid. She was cruising furniture, which she had never done before. And she was starting to say mama. But remember Chelsea's colostomy surgery? That procedure where the colon is diverted through the outside of the body? Well, it's major surgery that Claudia says turned out to be unnecessary. And it was recommended by Dr. Gresman. Did this disagreement have anything to do with the stocking? We'll get into that right after the break. You want to hear something funny? I wanted to learn more about Munchausen by proxy, so I reached out to one of the leading experts on this topic, and I let him listen to this entire series. And do you know what he said? He wrote back, quote, After thinking about the parents' rage, they having made a medical board complaint and their accusations, I don't want to get involved. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Unquote. This family is so intense that even this guy who specializes in Munchausen by proxy thinks that they are too crazy, even for him. Isn't that wild? So I went out looking for another expert. During my research, I came across a novelist, Andrea Dunlop. Andrea is a member of the American Professional Society on the Abuse of Children's Munchausen by Proxy Committee. And she's also the co-creator of Munchausen Support, which is dedicated to providing resources for frontline professionals, families, and survivors dealing with Munchausen by Proxy. And this part is important because Andrea is the host of a fantastic podcast called Nobody Should Believe Me. Seriously, I binged it all in one sitting. It was unbelievably educational and really a great follow-up to the series. So I'd check it out if I were you. It's called Nobody Should Believe Me. Anyway, as part of the Munchausen by Proxy Committee, Andrea has seen many cases where suspected mothers retaliate against the doctors. If a doctor reports someone, they become enemy number one. And I have seen, in many cases, perpetrators go to extraordinary lengths to discredit those doctors and ruin their lives. And I'm not being hyperbolic saying ruin their lives. I mean ruin their lives. So the vindictiveness of some of these situations, you would not believe. I've heard so many stories on the committee about those and experts getting harassed, getting followed home, getting death threats. These become incredibly contentious. Could this stalking scenario be the Rodriguez's way of retaliating against Dr. Gresman? That's what many of you listening have been writing to me. Let's play this out. Chelsea started seeing Dr. Gresman in the fall of 2017. The stalking didn't start for another two years in June of 2019. I have a copy of Chelsea's medical records from that time period. In it, the records show mounting tensions between the family and the doctor. In the operation report, Dr. Gresman describes Claudia's frustration with the post-op care for Chelsea. Dr. Gresman reports that the family was not following her instructions. You know, at first blush, this doesn't seem like much, right? Just some complications after a pretty intense surgery. But Claudia makes it no secret that she was not happy with Dr. Gresman either. Surgery should have never been done in the first place. That surgery could have been avoided. But isn't this funny that almost exactly two months before Chelsea's procedure, the one in question, the stalker who identified himself as John Gresman appeared out of nowhere? 
Back then, the stalker was threatening Dr. Gresman and keeping the charades up of the family photo shoot. It wasn't until after the surgery that the stalker went full cycle and directed his rage at Claudia, David, and Chelsea. In the police report, Dr. Gresman told police that the family is very off and she believes that they enjoy the attention they receive when Chelsea has procedures. Dr. Gresman says that the procedures she performed on Chelsea works on most of her patients, but not Chelsea. The police report says that she started to doubt whether Chelsea's ailment ever even existed. The report, which doesn't quote Dr. Gresman directly, states that the family's behavior is similar to Munchausen by proxy, and that Dr. Gresman feels that Claudia milks Chelsea's illness for attention. So let's imagine this really is a case of Munchausen by proxy. I'm not saying it is. Let's just pretend for a second. Could this tension between the doctor and the family be what caused the stalking to begin with? For that, I contacted a police detective who specializes in cases just like this. My name is Michael Weber. I'm a detective with the Tarrant County Sheriff's Office for Texas. Detective Mike Weber didn't always specialize in Munchausen by proxy. He just kind of fell into it and hasn't looked back since. I told Detective Weber about this case. The person that they believe is stalking them, all right, hold on to your seat for this one, is the daughter's doctor's husband, okay? The doctor's husband, who they don't even know, okay, is stalking them. And there's a reason for this, because they have beef with that doctor. That doctor started calling her out on the Munchausen. That's that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. As you just said with your situation where they're blaming the, the the doctor's husband, I mean that's what these offenders will do. They'll follow them home, they'll they will they will make their lives living hell. And you've seen that? You've seen that firsthand? Absolutely have. I've seen I've seen people lose professional privileges, uh, doctors lose professional privileges because of accusations from these from these offenders. They don't know what to do. Well, even this doctor that I was telling about, the one that's being accused, she only came forward with the Munchausen by proxy accusations after the police got involved. So she, even though she suspected this, she never came forward and did anything about it. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, and it's a and it's it's a risk for doctors. You know, a lot of doctors, they view they make the mistake of viewing this differently than other abuse, right? But I've seen in records, not from Cook's Children's, but from other hospitals where they're charting Munchausen by proxy and never reporting. And technically, they're violating the law when they do that. It just comes from it being a very different form of abuse. And they're, well, you know, they have been co-opted into this abuse now, and they feel the need to be 100% certain mom's committing this abuse before they report. And that's not their job. That's that's my job, right? I'm the one to determine whether she's doing it or not if you suspect that you report it. Here's Andrea Dunlop again, talking about why doctors don't speak up when they suspect they might be involved in a possible Munchausen by proxy case. These perpetrators are so vindictive in going after the doctors, and it has such a chilling effect on people reporting this abuse. And that narrative, these doctors that are just going rogue and randomly accusing people and taking these poor children away from their parents. And it's really a narrative that's taking hold. And that really, really worries me. And so I think like this is a potential counter narrative to that, right? Of like, no, this, this is, is actually why, exactly the this opposite. Is why they don't, 
report it. This is why doctors don't report. And like, this is what these women are capable of. And I think like, because it sounds so crazy, it almost like people can't quite wrap their heads around it. What I always remember in these cases is like, this is a person who would put their own child's life at risk to get attention. So is Dr. Gresman at fault for not reporting this sooner? What about like prosecuting the doctors? Is that an avenue that law enforcement could take or, or, or is that uh, putting the attention in the wrong place? Yeah, that's, that's putting the attention in the wrong place. And, you know, in crimes, there has to be a middle culpability. In our state, we have a law in layman's terms says if you trick someone into committing a crime and they don't know that they're, that, that they're committing the crime, you are responsible for that crime. And the doctors don't have the mental culpability in most cases. Of all the cases I've worked, I've had, I think, one that medical professionals have told me, yeah, that's, that's probably malpractice. Um, but all the others, you know, you can't blame a doctor. I agree. We don't need to make doctors feel even more hesitant to report cases of medical child abuse. In fact, Mike Weber wants us to encourage doctors to report it even more. I know what can happen to the kids if you don't. And I know the consequences for the children. I mean, it is long-term child torture. It is using the medical establishment as as the instrument to commit that torture. And it can affect their lives uh, it can shorten their lives. Say, if you have a kid who has gets an unneeded brain shunt, you know that that can shorten life by ten, fifteen, twenty years in a child. The risk of infection, just I mean, so much uh, stuff that 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 can happen to that child. And yeah, the further I got into it, you know, really no one is investigating these cases. As a society, we don't want to believe that mothers are are harming their children. And that is a huge, huge hurdle to get over just in convincing people that this actually happens, no matter what evidence you have. I have cases where I have admissions and you still have the people out there who want who want to believe the offender. And I, I, I want, what do you do in that case? I, I don't know. And I think a lot of that is, is, is they're just extremely uncomfortable with the idea that a mother could do this to her child. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's inconceivable that somebody could do this to their child, treat their children like pincushions, you know, and, and they're objects. They're not. That's just hard for, for most people to comprehend. Right. And, you know, it's funny that you said they treat them like objects, because what we find, what happens behind closed doors is not what you see in public, right? And I told Detective Weber that I have access to both Claudia and David's Facebook page, and I found it really interesting. For the most part, it looks like most people's Facebook wall, just a bunch of funny memes and family photos. But when you scroll down Claudia's page, you'll find that she posts a lot about her kids' health problems. I mean, a lot. The good and the bad about social media in this is the bad is it, it, it is an attention-seeking mechanism that really fuels this. I mean, it is like throwing gas on the fire. But it also provides an avenue if you do an effective criminal investigation and you can get those social media records. Police are the only people who can get their entire account, right? I have to have a search warrant to do it, but I can get their entire book account including private messages, if I have probable cause to do so. 
You know what? You just reminded me of something going back to the case. They're not kids. I keep calling them kids, but they're not kids. Right. One of their kids is getting blood drawn, but I don't know if he's scared of needles or whatever, but they put him kind of, they sedated him and she's filming this whole thing and, and laughing and, but she, it's like minutes long. It's not like a little short clip, like, oh, look, he's getting his blood drawn. Like, sit down, sit back, stop. This audio is from a seven-minute video that Claudia posted on her Facebook page. It shows her oldest son, Will, under sedation for what appears to be a routine blood panel. At first, the video is funny, right? You have a teenage boy acting drunk, falling forward. Ha ha. He's trying to get comfy. But two minutes into this video, you realize that this isn't your typical ha-ha sedation video. Claudia zooms the camera closer to her son's face. I mean, really close. And then she gets a close-up of the needle as the nurse wipes away the blood from his arm. Now we are six minutes into this video and it is painful to watch. No more done. No more needles. No more nothing. She's just taping now. I'm just taping it. This process working out really well. First of all, who films this entire procedure and then posts it on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Not, put your toe on your head. Okay, he's telling you. Please. One, two, three. Claudia also posts photos of her son James getting shots, Chelsea laying unconscious in her hospital bed. Again, it's not every post, but there's enough of it that seems highly unusual. Hey, I took the, the kid to the doctor to get this done and that done like that's what her social content is it's it's posting their kids private medical procedures yeah and you see that all the time in these cases all the time and on a lot of them like where there's photos you'll see photos of the actual procedure site right if it's a g-tube there'll be a photo of the child's stomach you know the center is not the face of the child the center of the photo is the actual medical intervention and out of context, maybe not that big of a deal, but in context with everything else in the case, a pretty big deal. Again, you're citing a lot of red flags to me. From You don't know until you do the full medical record review. So what do law enforcement do with all these red flags? What should the detectives on the Rodriguez case do to move this case forward? Well, that's after the break. In this case, all these kids are riddled with all these unexplained disorders. One of them has this phantom pain that can't be explained, or, you know, they tried the brain surgery, but it actually turns out they needed something else. And it's this uh, game of trial and error with these kids' health. What state are they in? They live in... Well, it has a policy on this, their CPS does, so that's, that's a positive. What, what is their policy on this? Do you know? Well, they actually have an NC, in child protective policy. Now, I don't know about their adult protective services, but they have in policy how just directions on how to address this abuse. But they're adults, so <laughs> you 
you know? Yeah. Well, and that, that would fall under adult protection services. Yeah. So, and the problem is, even though, even if you have policies, even if you have a CPS investigator that gets it or an APS investigator that gets it and does their job properly, then you've got to go through a family court judge and they have zero training on what this is. It's a blind spot, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, sure it is. I mean, I always say this abuse is where child sexual abuse was in the 60s. In the 60s, you know, there was a family member touching your six-year-old child. Well, they, you know, Uncle Billy has a problem with, with kids. Just stay away from them, right? That's the way they handle it. That's what we see with these offenders. I don't know how many articles you see in the media where they never mention abuse. Many of the experts that I've spoken to stress how important it is not to frame Munchausen by proxy as a mental illness. They say that by doing that, we in the media are minimalizing the medical child abuse. The experts I've spoken to say that perpetrators know exactly what they're doing. It's always mom's psychological problem. Well, no, it's abuse first and foremost. You've got a very interesting case on your hand. Where's dad on this? Oh, the dad, I can't, he's, uh, man. Let me guess, passive? Yeah, he yeah. totally buys into this stuff. No, not passive. Like, he's very actively trying to solve the stalker case. Like, he really believes the narrative that, that has been created. He really believes that the doctor's husband, <laughs> who he doesn't even know. Why would a doctor's husband, who doesn't even know you, stalk a patient that he doesn't even know? You know what I mean? Like, right. It doesn't even yeah. make sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. He's either enabling her. Or he's just so done the Kool-Aid, man. Well, uh, and, and, and a lot of these guys, when you talk to these dads that, that support the moms, when you, when you talk to the people around that relationship, they'll tell you that basically mom says jump, dad says how high. And yeah. they're, they're, whether, they, whether they make them that way or they find them that way, marry them that way, I don't know. But they're just passive, passive guys. Detective Mike Weber has a long history working cases just like this. He's investigated 27 cases of medical child abuse, which led to 10 prosecutions, resulting in six felony child abuse convictions. And they were all guilty pleas. So this guy knows what he's talking about. These days, Detective Weber spends most of his time training law enforcement around the country on how to spot Munchausen by proxy. Detectives, they don't have any training on this. They don't know what it is. They're overworked as it is they have a huge caseload and they see something they don't understand and it's very it's just human nature to to just classify the cps issue and move on with your other cases that you know how to work because you know we all have things we put we all have boxes we put things in and you cannot put this into any box right that a regular child abuse detective would know it, it, it is a very very different investigation yeah, you, you told me that it's a very complicated type of investigation. What makes it so complicated? Uh, the huge volume of medical records, right? And then if you do the investigation properly, you're going to have a huge volume of social media records. And, you know, let's say you have a five-year-old child uh, that has multiple medical procedures. You're talking to a medical record page count maybe into the thirty to 40,000 page range. And they have to be gone through every history that that uh, suspected offender has given to a doctor, you need to review that history and compare it to the other histories. But in order to charge a caretaker with Munchausen by proxy, you first have to prove harm. And without that harm, I don't have a criminal case. Now, 
there may be medical interventions after that that are a crime, but so like they putting won't. putting a shunt in in a kid's brain that's a crime. That's a crime. Right. That's a crime. It's well in my state that's a crime, not in all states. I just hope they have the laws out there, and they do. Medical child abuse against a vulnerable adult is against the law in the state where the story takes place. The law states that anyone who cares or has custody over a vulnerable adult and causes that person under their care to be injured where the person's health is endangered, could face up to a class four felony with a potential three-year sentence. Ours are 10, year after, 10 years after the 18th birthday for, for physical abuse mm-hmm. as far as statute of limitations. So they oh. may be able to go back on those surgeries and prosecute her for those surgeries. Wow. Wow. But uh, that's going to be, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine the amount of medical records that, that are, uh, how old is the kid, the main kid? That the, the main kid, she's, I think 25 years old right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's 25 years of medical records because you, oh. I mean, you got to go back for, you know, from oh. birth uh, and it's, it's just going to be. You'll be inundated. Yeah. Inundated. Yeah, exactly. A hundred thousand pages at least. Again, let's be clear. I'm not saying that Claudia and David purposely harmed their children with these medical procedures. It's possible that she agreed to all these procedures without any malice. And remember, it's not a crime to be hypervigilant about your children's health. And it's not illegal to be a hypochondriac. But it is illegal to purposely harm your child in order to get attention. I'm not saying Claudia has Munchausen by proxy. All I'm saying is that someone should look into it. There are enough red flags here that someone in the medical community or in law enforcement should investigate. Especially when they are the guardians in charge of two of their adult children. And they have a minor still living in the house. What makes this case even more complicated is that it's being portrayed as a cyberstalking case, when it's clearly not. Now remember, the detective is coming at this as a cyberstalking, right? This is a cyber, and he is pissed off. He just cannot stand this case. Like you could just tell that he can't stand it because. It's pretty clear from the evidence that the IP address is coming from their house. Can you connect me with that detective so I can kind of... That's what That's what I want. to. That's where I was going with this because yeah. I'm having a hard time. I feel like he is has the good intentions. He really wants to bring this thing to an end, but I don't feel like he knows how to handle this. Not the way you have. For some reason, you guys in Texas, you guys are doing it right, but this guy... Like, I know that he knows in his heart of hearts that this is a Munchausen case. He just doesn't know how to proceed. And they probably are not going to talk to you, especially if there is anything that they can do. Right. Well, right? And that's fine. I don't need them to talk to me. I'd rather action. I don't, I don't care right. about the podcast. Like, I, right. I would love some resolution because I feel terrible for these kids. I mean, yeah. and they're adults now. Well, they've been told that. You know, let's say she is guilty of this. They've been told their whole life they're sick. They don't know. They know nothing different. And who knows what health problems she has created in them through these through these procedures that were unneeded, right? That's that's another thing of this. You know, those procedures have side effects that can be long, long lasting. Who knows? So let's wrap this up. I never intended to produce the series to begin with. Okay, something about it just never felt right. But like I've said before, it's impossible to look away. I ultimately decided to move forward. And why? Well, because the longer I spoke with these people, the more I became concerned about the safety of their children. 
I've been in regular contact with the police department working this case. I've sent them all the episodes and even connected them with Detective Mike Weber. They told me that they were going to reach out to the Department of Child Services and assured me that they've been in contact with DCS this entire time. I've also sent this podcast to a local prosecutor where they live. I also hope that if the kids are listening to this right now, that there are things that you could do to restore your rights if that's what you want. You could contact the clerk of courts and request a guardian at litem to see if they could help you reverse the guardianship. Also, several survivors of Munchausen by proxy have reached out to me and offered to help. This message is to the adult children in this family. My name is Shane Kenzia. I survived 28 years of medical child abuse at the hands of my mother. I hear your cry for help and I want to help you. Please reach out to Javier and he will connect us. Stay strong. You're not alone anymore. As for the stalker, last I heard, there haven't been any new messages, pizza deliveries, or calls made to the police. It's typical for there to be a long period of calm in between his or her rampage. I wish I could tell you conclusively who is sending these messages, but I can't. Like I've said several times already, it's someone living in that house. There's just no way around it. It could be one of their kids, it could be all of the kids ganging up on their parents, or it could be Claudia and David doing this to themselves or allowing it to happen. I don't have any evidence to make any of these claims. If something breaks in the case, I will definitely follow up. Well, that was supposed to be the original ending to the series. The classic ending, you know, pretty disappointing. But just as we wrapped up the editing for this episode, something huge happened. Are you ready for this? Because I don't think you're ready for this. On January 25th, both Claudia and David Rodriguez, whose real names are Tanya and Rick Fernandez, were indicted on multiple felony charges of computer tampering and aggravated harassment. So let's start with the computer tampering charge. The law says that computer tampering is recklessly using a computer with the intent to engage in a scheme which torments, threatens, or terrorizes another person. This is a class by felony. This charge can lead to up to 2.5 years in prison. In addition to the computer tampering charge, Tanya and Rick received two charges each of aggravated harassment. This is a class six felony that can have a maximum sentence of five years plus, and they're facing two charges each. That's a total of six felony charges combined. I know, wow. The couple has not been arrested. They're awaiting arraignment, which is scheduled for February 10th of this year. During their arraignment, the judge will inform them of their charges and they have to choose to plead guilty or not guilty. If they plead not guilty, they will go to trial on July 6th of this year. But judging by the fact that they've been assigned a public defender tells me that they don't have an attorney and might consider taking a plea deal. I know I just threw a lot at you. You were expecting this to be the end of the episode, but now we're left with so many questions. Like what happens to their two adult children who have a guardianship? Are there going to be any more additional charges? And trust me, I am all over it. I have already put a records request to get a copy of the indictment and all the court documents that exist to date. 
Those documents should be in either today or very soon. As soon as I get any more information, I am going to be posting many bonus episodes on both Patreon and Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. My handle is at PretendPod for more updates. All right, guys, I will update you as soon as I can. Until then, take care. Hopefully, through this podcast, we've been able to clear Dr. Gresman and her husband's name, you know, so to speak, because we didn't actually use their names. But if they're ever ready to come forward with their side of the story, I am all ears. If not, I hope they can continue on with their lives in peace. Creative back.